Hey, Eddie, do it for the vine. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> do it for the vine. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Let's get this started. You ready? Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Product Postmortem. This is a podcast where we talk about some of our favorite products and companies and how they succeeded and why they died. My name is Kevin Pham. And I'm Eddie Rodriguez. In today's episode, we'll be talking about Vine. So what you guys just heard was one of the many clips on Vine, and that was a very famous do it for the Vine. All right, so what was Vine? Vine at one point was said to be the app that defined the millennial generation. It was the largest video sharing app in 2013, and it was, at its peak, it had hundreds of millions of users on its platform. In 2013, it was the most downloaded app, and yet today it ceased to exist. Vine started careers for people like Shawn Mendes, Liza Koshy, King Bach. These are huge influencers and creators on social media, and yet Vine doesn't exist anymore. So, Eddie, do you remember what Vine is, or did you actually have some experience playing with Vine back in the day? So I never got into Vine. I knew what it was, um, but it kind of just passed me. But to be fair, I also kind of passed through like <laughs> Snapchat until it was a few years in. Um, now I'm on Instagram, but... Yeah, yeah. Snapchat and Instagram has definitely taken over, and they're definitely the ones who succeeded. But Vine, I remember back in 2013, 2014, that was the biggest app that everybody was on. So, Kevin, I didn't really use Vine a whole ton. Uh, I knew that it was kind of like a big thing with like younger people. For some reason, I just didn't pick it up. So, like, tell me why Vine is so important, and like why you know we decided to do this episode. Like, what was Vine to you? So, Vine was a six-second looping video platform, and at first, when I heard of Vine back in 2013, I thought it was actually a really silly idea. I was like, how can you create a successful social media product with only six seconds? But I understood when you are limited to six seconds, it actually forces you to be creative. And that was, I think, what led to the success of Vine. Yeah, and that six seconds, um, you know, from doing research, I've kind of noticed that there's a, like so many sport clips that kind of just are wrapped up in just that like tight six second loop where you kind of have a little bit of intro, your meaty content in the middle, and then it kind of just wraps up neatly in roughly six seconds. So, you know, a lot of big plays. So um, is that really why it took off? Because like, you know, there was like sports stuff around it or? Yeah, I mean, there was, so Vine as an app, they had different categories. They had sports, they had animals, they had comedy, uh, drama, just a bunch of different types of uh, genres with these kind of videos. And you know, a lot of successful creators came out of these different categories. And and the interface was really great, too. They, It was just kind of a whole tap kind of interface where you would just it, be able to record what you're looking at and then put your thumb down to record. And then once you let go, it would stop. And then the moment you press down again, it would also uh, it would just continue where it left off. So they made the editing type of interface really simple for the user. Like Vine was your like your way of sh of sharing video, and then what was different about it was that it had a time limit, just like Twitter had a text limit. But they didn't do the text limit because of some like artistic reason, like Twitter did, where they were saying 
you know, anything relevant can be abbreviated in this short term. But they put a six-second cap because that, that was their way of getting around storage cost. Like these guys were just like, you know, a, a hacky group of people that threw this thing together and they worked around their constraints. Yeah, and because of the limit, it allowed people or it forced people to be more creative. I mean, six seconds isn't a lot of time. So what was great about this app is that users came to this app and saw these amazingly talented creators creating this funny, entertaining content with only six seconds. And what I think brought users back to the app and watching the video over and over again was the loop. So after six seconds, you would have a very funny laugh and then the video would play again and then remind you about how, how funny it was. And these loops would go as high as billions of loops. Would Each loop would be a view, essentially compared to what YouTube is. That's, and what's a loop? A loop is pretty much a video would start from beginning and then play till the end and then it would continue. It wouldn't just start over again. So it was just loop continuously. And that's how they counted views then? Yeah, so they didn't really have views on Vine. A view would technically be considered or labeled as a loop. And you can see how that can kind of become, it just I, became, I mean, it, it, it became it, invaluable. I mean, it doesn't, the, the number doesn't really become significant after you get to like, I mean, a video can get up to a billion loops. But I think on Vine's end, what could be really useful is seeing how many loops they had um, and how many people, how many like unique users were actually looking at this stuff. Because um, if you had a single, like if, if you had one user that was just looping over and over again, you know, maybe they just left their phone on. But if you had, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of people looping over and over again, it can really show you that these videos are sticky. Um, and if like one content creator is making all this sticky content, then, you know, they're, they're onto something there. They're, they're making something of value. So, so for me, Vine was an app that I use frequently. I mean, in 2015, I used Snapchat a lot. I know today people use Instagram, but in 2013, 2014, I think Vine was just as big as what those other apps were for, for a lot of the users. Um, creators like Liza Koshy and King Bob, like this is the platform that really launched their careers. If you guys know who these influencers are, they're one of the biggest YouTube and social media influencers, and they got their start off on this platform. Um, do you know who Shawn Mendes is? The music artist? Well, name a couple of his songs. Yeah, Lost in Japan, about. Stitches. So the one on the radio. Yes, exactly. Oh Continue. <laughs> I know you're not a fan of his music, but... I'm not a fan of a lot of music. <laughs> but he's another major artist that came out of, of Vine. So uh, did he did do like a whole song in six seconds? Like what made him big? So... There was also a music category on Vine, and a lot of people who got their singing careers out of it. You know, Ariana Grande also kind of launched her music career on Vine as well. But what do they do then? So they just sang songs. They did a lot of covers, obviously. And in six, in, in six in seconds. seconds. Yeah. I mean, six seconds isn't a lot, but... It's it a soundbite, I guess. Exactly. But it was able to show these people's talents and abilities to sing well and do great music. And... So Again, they have like more talent in six seconds than we do in like four minutes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's all. Podcast, sometimes that's all you really need. But Good I mean, time. but again, this is a platform that a lot of the millennial generations was on. So you have a huge following base, and then once your popularity gets out there, you become a well big, well known name, and there's your career. It kind of just launched from there. I know other there's other Vine 
music artists also got their careers from there. But I mean, so, yeah, go so ahead. it sounds like I think what was cool about Vine um, that I'm kind of just drawing a little difference, like against Snapchat, is that you know they let you discover. So I can definitely understand why somebody would get into this app and kind of get stuck in the app because they're just discovering a lot of content and. Um, I don't want to go too far off right now, but Snapchat's having an issue because, you know, they're having the issue of, of not having discovery. So people, um, you know, get into it because they have a social network effect where their friends are on it. But at the same time, you know, once they're past looking at their friends' stories, they don't really know how much to, to discover and like what to go look for. Yeah. I mean, you talked about discover and Vine, they had a dashboard or like a homepage, which was kind of like discovery was mine on mobile or on a web based no it was purely mobile and um but their homepage definitely had some sort of discovery element to it where you would i think there was a way where they can able to read the type of videos and genres that you were interested in and they were able to i guess so it was recommended yeah it was kind of recommended they would display the videos that they think that you would that you would enjoy and then there would also be some sort of trending uh, videos as well, similar to what YouTube has on their trending tab. So, um, what I wanted to ask though was like, what can you do with these videos? Like, can you just watch them on Vine or can, like, can, like, how do you share this stuff? Like, do you post this on YouTube or? No, I think it's great that <laughs> it's kind of a good dynamic for this episode that Eddie hasn't really had a lot of experience with Vine, and then for me, I was a, an avid user back when it was really big. And um, but yeah, to answer your question, you, I mean, Vine just was just I think you could share it on Twitter. And that was, I think, the general uh, the default. That was kind of the general focus I think Twitter had when they acquired Vine. Um, but Vine was pretty much an internal app. I think you could, there was definitely a link that you can copy for the video and probably post it on other platforms. But um, yeah, generally, just Vine was with itself. But what the funny thing is that a lot of these videos, it was really, really funny. There were so many funny videos. And then again, you know, six seconds is not a lot of time. So there was so many content. But People would chop these videos up and just put them into one compilation video for Vine and yeah, just post on YouTube. And you, like I've seen you spend seemingly <laughs> hours watching these like mashup videos. These um, videos are like, funny. Like, like uh, I see these things on YouTube that have like tens of millions, hundreds of millions of views, but they're like you know hour long videos or like. How yeah, I mean these. Ridiculous. I mean some of these. Yeah, some of these compilation videos can go up to an hour plus, but. If you go on YouTube and search Vine compilations, you will see tons and tons of videos for Vines. And I, I believe if you were to accumulate all the views that YouTube has for these Vine compilation videos on their platform, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of views. I mean, Vine was very, very popular and people love videos and content that the platform contained. Okay, so let's talk about like who actually made this thing because... Uh, it seems to be going pretty far back, but I feel like Vine is just still like a recent memory right now. Let's use this time to kind of head into the uh, timeline of Vine and really how they started off. So Vine was actually created in June 2012 by three founders, Don Hoffman, Russ Yusupov, and Colin Kroll. When they, were, when they got together, they really just wanted to create an option to just look at photos, and they wanted to find an easier way to watch 10-minute videos of someone's life event. For example, if someone had their baby's first steps or their, their child's graduation from high school, some sort of life event, they wanted to make an app that would make it easier to view photos or these videos. 
And then they called the app Vine. Um, a quick fun fact about Vine, actually, the Vine name for the company actually came from the word vignette, uh, which it means short video scene that leaves an impression. Um, yeah, so I never really understood what the, where that name came from before doing this. I just thought it was kind of one of those random you know, names. Yeah, well, I mean, you have <laughs> a lot of weird names coming from that time. Um, yeah. I'm but, surprised they didn't stick like two words together, like Instagram and Social cam, oh, Facebook, <laughs> Snapchat, Facebook. Yeah, but the, yeah, this was a clever way, a clever name actually from, um, and it actually had some sort of meaning. So then also the company was under the domain Vine.co because Vine.com was actually already taken and owned and operated by Amazon. Initially, Amazon was asking for $500,000 for the domain, but Vine just kind of kept with the Vine.co and, it, and they stuck with it. So in October 2012, Vine had a number of beta testers, and they pitched the app to Twitter. And after that, Twitter decided to acquire Vine for $30 million. And this is all before Vine even launched. On, officially into, launched. Yeah, into any app store. Um, so then 2013, Vine officially launched on June 24th, 2013, only for the iOS app store. And then soon enough, Vine then became the number one video sharing app in the market within only a couple of months. But who was their competition around that time? I'm not really sure. I couldn't really say, but... Because Snap came a little bit after that, I think. I think they started chasing after Vine. Yeah. I mean, Snapchat was definitely was already existing by that time, but I'm not really sure if they were really competing for, uh, for users at that time too much. I mean, at that time, you had things like Justin TV, so you were kind of able to see that this is like a growing trend around that time. Um, I think what really kind of pushed this forward was at this time you start you started seeing um, like cell phone carriers were launching like LTE and making video really um, approachable. Yeah. Not approachable, but just like attainable. You saw you know Made it YouTube, accessible. Yeah, you saw you saw YouTube just take off around this time because suddenly people could take video with them rather than just sitting at their computers where they had a, a better you know bandwidth. Yeah, video video apps were definitely taking off around this time. Then in April 2013, Vine became the most downloaded app in the Apple App Store. In June 2013, Vine was finally released on Android. And then later that year in November, Vine was then released on Windows. So releasing for Windows, that kind of means that they're really trying to <laughs> cast like the widest net possible and you know get all these users. Um, and yeah, they, they just kept growing. And by 2016, they had 200 million active accounts. And... Um, yeah, yeah they they were just seeming to just grow like they were growing exponentially under Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and Vine. I'm I specifically remember back in 2013, 2014. I was following Vine closely, and I was one of the users. My entire family was using it. All my friends were back then, and I just remember Vine being a huge app that everybody was talking about. So I mean, were you able to send videos back and forth to people, or did you, did you just broadcast? Because I'm no, I never use this. So yeah, yeah no. Um, so Vine was you were able to kind of you were able to use it through Twitter, and that was kind of more the the I guess the sending interface for for between users. I wouldn't I don't recall there being any sort of in app messaging feature. So they didn't have like DMs in Vine. I don't believe so. Um, you think that Twitter would build that into Twitter? <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I would. I think. I mean, as we already know now, I don't think Twitter did well handling this application, but. So, but generally what happened in 2013, Vine became the most downloaded app in the Apple App Store. So 
they really started taking off and doing well during that time. And then in 2014, it became even bigger. And all these creators and influencers came on the platform and just really built a name for themselves. So like by 2016, I guess they had what our notes are showing 200 million active users, which is, you know, pretty substantial considering, um, well, actually that, that brings up a good question. You know, was this audience mostly in America? I would say yes. I don't recall seeing a lot of international users or influencers on the platform. Um, but and I don't really recall what their demographics were outside of America. But in 2016, I remember it just kind of plateauing at that point. It, and 200 million users in 2016, I think, was lower than what I would think. I would think they would have even more at their peak in 2014. Well, what was going on between? Because uh, I mean, we jumped from 2013 to 2016. It seems like they kind of had like those dead years. Like, was like you were a big yeah. user of the app. So, what happened to the app? Was it changing? Was it evolving? I mean, we, we're seeing you know, all these features coming to Instagram stories. You know, like it seems like every couple of months there's another big feature. Yeah. You know, so what was Vine doing? Like, I were, think were there more tools? Were there filters? I would say I want I wouldn't say there was more tools or filters, and I think that goes kind of goes on to our later segment about what really led to their failure. But what I remember from after 2014 at their peak, there was multiple things that happened. I mean, Vine definitely was a well-known name among all the millennials and it was still a very popular app but then again like we mentioned before these videos were being posted on youtube so i think people were still watching the content but maybe on a different platform i think the dedicated users for these individual influencers were still retained on the platform but also at the same on the other hand snapchat was already launched and instagram was already taken off heavily and i think Vine just became another successful app that was in the background and it was just in the same circle of these other successful apps that were taking off as well. So so we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later, I guess. Um, so let's finish off our timeline. So um, looks like October 2016, like their revenue growth slowed. Uh, oh, Twitter's revenue growth slowed. Um, and they decided to cut 9% of the workforce um, on Vine. And then uh, Russ Yusupov, I'm guessing, was a was our CEO then. Yeah, he was probably the the head of the of the app at that time, and he was unfortunately laid off during the workforce cut, and a new general manager was hired, and I think she was expected to revive Vine and the efforts that they were trying to do with the with the app, but there was already problems at this t- at this point, and 2016 was just a really bad year for Vine, and this is where they really took a plummet in their operations and their success. So as yeah. you get, if you guys, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I found, you know, digging things up for this episode was that it looked like Twitter was trying to offload Vine for a while because they just didn't know what to do with it. They definitely didn't integrate it into Twitter, you know, really well. And they, they didn't, you know, monetize it again. We'll talk about that more later, but you know, when, when Russ got laid off, you know, there's this really famous tweet that got reported on, you know, on, on all the outlets. It just said, don't sell your company. Yeah. And I think that really kind of shows the, the turmoil and the unhappiness that was experienced within the Vine team at Twitter. Um, but again, there was a lot of frustration that was building up over the last couple of years at Vine, and especially with the influencers and creators on their platform. And there was a lot of outrage. If you guys look up videos of these influencers and just 
them recording their frustration and their complaints about being one of the top influencers. They talked about the inability to monetize and be able, they were requesting for longer videos. I mean, six seconds in a lot, it, it's a six second feature or, or element definitely added to their success. But then after a while, you kind of want to be able to expand beyond six seconds, especially for people who wanted to create more entertaining content. Yeah, you want to kind of switch it up and just see what you're really capable of. We see this like all over, you know, look, look at Instagram. Instagram, you know, they just did photos and then they did short form videos and now they're doing, you know, up to hour long videos on Instagram TV. So they're, they're you know, it seems like Instagram's kind of learning or they did learn from, from you know, Vine's mistakes where they're giving their creators like ability to, to do whatever they like. Um, now, you know, it's it's up yeah. to discussion whether they're succeeding in, in all those avenues, but at least they have the option. I know this is a really small nuance, but I mean, this the length of videos, I think kind of correlates with the success of a video app, especially you see Vine having six seconds. You have Snapchat with 10 seconds on their videos, and then you have up to 15 seconds on Instagram, I think, for a story. And you can kind of see the trend people, I mean, these companies just trying to experiment and playing around with what is the medium uh, time length here. For. Well, it's like a loose structure because even on Snapchat where you have like those like 10 second videos, you can you can record longer and just chain them. Yeah, So you, know, exactly. you can skip in like 10 second intervals if you're the viewer, but um, given that like if you're making content, yeah, you can choose to live within those, you know, limitations. But if you want to expand, you can. And I think that really shows that these successful companies that are still alive today really shows the ability to build flexible with what these creators are asking for. Um, unfortunately, with Vine, they didn't really give any wiggle room for the demands of these influencers. So it definitely built the frustration. And then, unfortunately, towards the end of 2016, and then uh, they Twitter announced that they will be officially shutting down Vine. And... It was officially closed down in January 2017, and they did they did keep Vine.co. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, uh, it looks like it's just like an archive. It's just like a little graveyard for all your vines. Yeah, here's the funny thing. I actually recently went back on Vine.co. I tried to open my login or use my login to access my content that I saved on there, but it's no longer there. My login doesn't work. There is a a information page that talks about where the content has gone, and they said that. Vine did create an archive for their old content. But when looking through it, the archive only contains the most popular videos from what I found. I even emailed the Twitter Vine support page or email and didn't get any response yet. So I'm still waiting for them to get back with where those videos are that I saved on my account. But Yeah, I'm looking at it right now and it says that em embedded Vines on Twitter are still able to be played but you're no longer to download your vines so unless you kind of just save the link it looks like some of that stuff might have been down yeah actually i saved the link to one of my videos that i recorded for my account and that doesn't even work anymore so it's Ooh. kind of a hit and miss but again i don't see them really adding any kind of mo money or funds to support the vine back end at all so this is like maybe a fun easter egg on vine.co if you go down to the bottom where it says like <laughs> terms of privacy it says uh help terms privacy attribution and then did it for the vine twitter <laughs> inc like oh man like yeah so yeah so one of the famous trending quotes that you guys if you guys remember from vine was do it for the vine and a lot of actually a lot of famous trends came out of vine 
Um, but again, you did, guys did the dab come from Vine? I don't think it did, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Chose you. So, so um, yeah, so yeah. Let, let's start transitioning and let's talk about you know the decline of Vine because um, you know we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but it seems like they kind of just became stagnant, uh, which which is kind of strange because you know being in acquisition, you would think that Twitter would kind of just want to dump resources into Vine to kind of grow it or at least monetize it. Um, Twitter famously has not done so well monetizing itself because you know they do, they don't have the eyeballs on ads and they also don't have the same kind of you know uh, tools for for advertisers kind of like a Facebook or Instagram does where they really give you you know like direct access to to those people they they really make it super granular so that you can talk to exactly who you want to talk to uh, on Twitter you know the ads that I see are like AT&T and Coca-Cola, very like broadcasting ads where on Facebook it's, you know, people that are doing like Teespring campaigns or, you know, just doing like little like coding courses or, you know, things that things that are more directly relevant to what I'm looking for. And then like obviously Amazon ads based on what I'm searching for. But I, I don't see that yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think Twitter is a really good does a really good job on their monetization and, 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 and marketing. But again, with Twitter owning Vine, I wouldn't really say they would do a really good job with that company either. I can tell you right now, monetization on Vine wasn't really successful either. So well, it makes sense because, you know, YouTube plays ads, you know, and now now they're playing more and more ads, which is not so fun. But for Vine, would it make sense to watch a six-second ad before your six-second video? Yeah. Or I, an ad in between loops where it kind of just, you know, breaks up what you're doing. Um, so I think, I think they were, you know, trying to work towards a, a way where they could monetize. I think um, Snapchat's done a really good job of this where they've done sponsored filters. So it, it lets content creators or even just people just – it lets you play with somebody else's brand um, in a way that's just interactive and fun and just not like normal ad advertising that we've seen up until this, you know, this this big era of social. So th I think that's great. But, you know, it seems like Twitter wanted to treat Vine much like Facebook was treating Instagram, where it's a different product, a different experience. And if somebody wants to get, or if somebody gets tired of Twitter, it doesn't feel like Vine is part of Twitter. Where like, you know, you see people now with the whole hashtag delete Facebook, you know, they're still keeping Instagram around or they're still keeping WhatsApp around because it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. Yeah, so, I wouldn't really say a lot of people knew that Twitter even owned Vine. But kind of going back to the monetization element of Vine and Twitter, again, to Eddie, like you hit on the head there. Twitter was is not a good company with monetization. So with them owning Vine, I would also expect Vine not doing well with monetization. But again, it, like you brought up some good points. It's Vine wasn't really wasn't an easy product to implement monetization into their product. But what I do remember was there was some sort of monetization and advertisement for their for the influencers and creators. So you didn't really see ads in the dashboard or in the interface within the app. But what you did see was that these influencers would get contacted by these major brands and they would just do a six second video and making some sort of entertaining or creative 
video with their product. And that was their way of doing monetization. But again, this is the own doing and the own efforts of the creators. Vine is not creating that platform or structure or support for these brands to connect with these creators. So. Yeah, and that makes it that, that creates a ton of friction if you're a content creator because now now you gotta start really treating yourself like a business, which you know isn't isn't the, the most comfortable thing, especially if you're you know more into the arts or music. Like this is going way out of your comfort zone that you have to start reaching out to these sponsors so that you can just kind of sustain your craft. So that that you know I can see how that would not be the most fun where it, it's good for YouTube that, you know, they just let their content creators be content creators. I mean, sure, there's people that are out there that are talking about, you know, their sponsors, but it's not a necessity. Yeah. And, and also add this, <laughs> the videos that these influencers made for the brands, they weren't really that great. I mean, to be honest, six seconds isn't a lot, but you can totally see that this video was completely bought out by that brand and it wasn't towards the general videos that the influence made typically. And some of these products were unknown and then some were uh, home name brands. But uh, again, these advertisements weren't that great and you can see how it wasn't really a, a type of advertisement that really stuck through. So continue on in the monetization element. You have companies like YouTube and Facebook where they provide the support for these creators with account managers. So these account managers are providing the support and platform for these creators to help with the monetization so that these creators can just focus on making good content and also be able to make money doing what they're doing. Where Vine didn't have that support at all for the creators and that was one of the major frustrations that was expressed by their influencers. So it's like, yeah, Vine seems like a fun thing to just play with, but when you want to be a little bit more serious or start making yourself into a business and it's not really, there's not really a place for you there. Um, and I feel like I'm starting to see this more and more kind of like, you know, lining up with, with Snapchat where, you know, they don't have the same ability to, to create discoverable, marketable content. Um, and, and I think we're seeing like, this kind of show in their their stock price but there was the the frustration got so so large that the vines executives finally noticed and once they noticed that the usage of the app was kind of declining they finally held a secret meeting with the vine executives and the top vine creators this was the time where they had to really start listening to the creators all right so they these like vine executives decided to you know throw a little hail mary pass and they they gathered up all their 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 big names that were still on Vine, and they got these guys all into a hotel to just kind of hold a little conference and just hear them out. You know, they wanted to listen to the, their creators to say like, what can they do to better enable them to create good content, and what can they do to just bring Vine back, or like just breathe new life into this product that was you know at this point just kind of aging and and just you know losing relevancy. Um, and these content creators just basically held them for ransom. Um, you know, they, they came to them with like specific demands and terms like um, they were going to do what, what was it? I think they wanted between one to two million dollars per year per, given, yeah, per creator. Per creator. And, and in exchange, they were supposed to make X amount of posts a month yeah. um, that were intended to, to gain 
so many loops or views. Yeah. And, and on top of that, they wanted also the feature of expanding the time limit beyond six seconds. I think they wanted to play around with a minute possibly. And it's just, there was other demands as well, but generally the top creators got together and realized, okay, what is a fair amount of money that we deserve for the work that we're going to be doing? And I don't think it's unreasonable. I mean, to be fair, I would imagine these top creators are making the same amount of money on a platform like YouTube or Facebook with their own accounts. And these people are bringing in a ton of followers onto their onto the platforms. And I think the structure you talked about before, Eddie, was you know a set amount of money for an X amount of videos per year or per month. I think it's similar to what Facebook and YouTube might be doing. And I don't think that was unreasonable. But the final verdict was after these demands were given to the Vine executives, the final decision was pretty much no. These executives went back to them and says, listen, you guys are only 1% of the, of the creators on our app. And, and you know, we just don't really feel like you're big enough to disrupt the usage and the users on our platform. But then again, kind of arguing for the creators here, they might represent only 1% of the creators on their platform, but I think their followers probably represent at least 89% of their usage on their on the product. Well, and you, and you see this kind of come up in a lot of, you know, these platforms where, where it's, you know, you have your creators and consumers. So you were talking about how Twitter wasn't really looking forward to spending this kind of money on on uh, their creators. But I, I wonder if, if they even got authorization to spend this kind of money because at the time, you know, in the, like, outs, like we haven't really touched on this, but at the time, you know, Twitter's stock price is kind of just all over the place. They, they were really in a decline um, with Jack Dorsey returning to Twitter, you know, in that dead zone that we were talking about in like 2015. And he was expected to really just, you know, turn everything around and, and start making them profitable. He even like went towards a, a deal where Twitter could stream like NFL games live, which was supposed to be a huge attraction for, for Twitter users. But, you know, maybe he just kind of deprioritized Vine because it's, it sounds, it sounded like from doing our research and hearing about this, this conference that, you know, th this might not have been authorized. This might not have been, you know, acceptable to, to Jack Dorsey. Well, I also found that the Vine executives and the co-founders were supposedly against monetization and they didn't want to take money from a lot of the brands, which I believe led to Twitter's decision to discontinue Vine as a service. Well, yeah, I mean, you can only subsidize something for so long, right? Um, I mean, you see this with like countless startups where they just continuously lose money until they figure it out. So if you've got some somebody like Twitter that's just saying like, or, you know, even these like Vine execs and, and their co-founders are just saying like, this is not who we are. This is not the direction that we want to go into ever. Um, if you have these guys kind of just like providing a lot of resistance to somebody like Jack Dorsey, that's who's tasked with making money, the decision kind of becomes a little bit easier. You know, if, if Jack Dorsey's sitting, you know, in his office and has a lot of other things to, to worry about or can put resources to something that is going to make money, you know, that, that decisions, you know, becomes really easy. So I can definitely understand from a business standpoint why they decided to shut Vine down. Now, is that the best decision that they could have made? I, I don't agree at all. I think 
what they could have done was done a better job of, of integrating Vine back into Twitter, you know, given given the native Twitter app uh, like more functionality, or just sold Vine to at least recoup some of their their losses. But that right there alone could have negatively affected Twitter as a brand, since you know we don't really see these situations where these big tech companies you know sell a part of themselves to somebody else. What would happen if 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 you see if you were to see Facebook right now sell WhatsApp, I mean that's it. That would be a huge red flag on Facebook. If if they're in a position where they need the money, um, that that you know doesn't evoke a lot of confidence, and it doesn't really sound like you're making a, a educated decision. It sounds like you're you're making like a desperation call. Let me just take that and just take it to a different direction. So I like the example you brought up about WhatsApp and Facebook, right? So. What you said earlier was that Jack Dorsey at Twitter, his main priority is to make money for Twitter as a company. Right. And I mean, he's a money guy. Look. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he's doing a great job with Square and Twitter. But just going back on track here, the fact that Vine executives and co-founders was against monetization, I think really causes a lot of headbutts within Twitter. And I think that there was probably a lot of turmoil and friction within the teams of Vine and then Twitter's executives and Jack Dorsey. And that probably led to the decision of Jack Dorsey just shutting down Vine completely. And so taking that example, I just want to go back to Facebook and WhatsApp. With WhatsApp recently, those two co-founders leaving, I think that was also with disagreement with how WhatsApp should have monetized as a product as well. And I think generally when a big tech company is like Twitter or Facebook acquires a smaller company, monetization is going to be a big deciding factor for the teams. Well, especially when it, when like just like in in WhatsApp, you know, those founders, you know, they they didn't want to change the service into something that it wasn't. It like they wanted to keep their their core values within the app. Um, and we're even we even saw this with like Instagram where, you know, the original founders of Instagram are no longer working for Facebook. Um, just because Facebook is starting to monetize and, and just um, push more ads and just kind of change Instagram a little bit more than what these founders were comfortable with. And, we you know, it, it's, it's crazy that we're seeing these trends happening again. In the world of, like, Twitter and Vine, we saw that Twitter just decided to deprecate Vine. They just, you know, didn't want to pump more resources into it. And maybe that's a luxury that Facebook can afford right now. You know, they can afford to lose these founders and keep the products but you know, maybe if, if they didn't have that, like their pile of cash that they were sitting on, maybe we we would be seeing different outcomes. Yeah. So, with all that being said, this is really kind of leads into what caused Vine to have died. But let's kind of go into the postmortem side and really talk about what do you think could have saved Vine and what they could have done differently, what Twitter could have done differently to have Vine still succeed today or maybe even be successful. So. Personally, so starting with me, I just I think Vine, knowing what they were and how successful they were in which platform, I think Vine probably would have been done a better job if they were to be at a company like YouTube or Google. Yeah, like I do. You think that these like Vine execs had these conversations where they were saying, "Hey, like we would do better under another brand," or is this a conversation that's even allowable? Yeah, I think this is the time. I mean, obviously, people can't really tell the future that well. Um, I think that the Vine founders were to know what would ha what happened to them back then, they would have chose a different route. But 
what I'm guessing is that they went to Twitter. Twitter loved them so much that they offered a big amount of money and they couldn't resist and just had said yes. But if the Vine co-founders just took a little bit extra time and shopped around a little bit more to companies like Google or YouTube, maybe even Facebook, I think those bigger tech companies could have done a better job with handling Vine and really taking it to the right direction. So companies like YouTube and Facebook are ones that provide account managers for their creators and influencers. So I, I can see YouTube and Facebook providing the same support for Vine if they were had acquired Vine as a company. So that would have been a nice uh, situation if it played out in that manner. But, but I think I think an important distinction here is that like, you know, when we talk about YouTube as an example, you know, YouTube is owned by Google, and YouTube, you know, really famously doesn't you know, really affect Google's bottom line as a product. I think if anything, it's just another avenue for Google to kind of strengthen its tools and, and uh, give itself more credibility and just to have a, a wider range because we, we don't really see a lot of these video apps generating a lot of money. We're drawing a lot of parallels here to YouTube and we're saying that, you know, maybe YouTube could have done something different with Vine but what's really important to note is that, you know, YouTube hasn't really generated, you know, any significant value to, to Google's bottom line. But where YouTube does kind of change that is that, you know, there, there is a possibility for it to, you know, start earning money in the future as the platform kind of changes. And we see that they're playing with the monetization now with YouTube Red and they're, you know, advertising a little bit more heavily, which, you know, people aren't too excited about right now. But We'll see how that plays out, but ultimately, I think YouTube's going to be safe. Yeah, and also want to tie in another part where if you really look at Twitter's track record with the acquisitions they made in the past, if you remember in 2015, they acquired Periscope, and there was a lot of hype behind that acquisition. But what I'm trying to get at is that I don't think Twitter has really a strong experience with doing well with the companies they acquired. It just seems like a lot of the companies they take over, they kind of mishandle and don't really have the teams to lead those products correctly or to great success. Yeah, because I think what we're seeing is that, you know, they do these acquisitions and then they kind of mostly leave them alone and just kind of leave them to their own vices without giving like the necessary support. You, you saw where YouTube was an early acquisition by Google, but Google gave them the necessary attention and the space. Um, YouTube is even spaced away from from Google headquarters a decent bit. So they, they have their own independent entity, but they're still able to have access to Google resources. And you see that with, you know, all Google companies where you see Nest kind of, um, they get like their, their machine learning, their AI, you know, structure coming from Google main. And you see other products, you know, um, working at Google X, we see all these like AI tools kind of just, get leaked into or, or like people get shopped around and moved um, to where they feel that like they can contribute their most value. And I don't know if Twitter has the same kind of flexibility with its team where they're, they're comfortable with really talented product people moving from one organiza organization to another. So that could be like a big, you know, fail point here. Yeah. And um, I think the bottom line is that if Twitter wanted to have any hope, to you know, to save Vine, maybe what they could have done differently is very early on, they would have to provide the support for their creators to have monetization. Um, 
be more flexible with the features with extending the time limit for the videos beyond six seconds and just being more creative with the features. It didn't really seem that Vine's team listened to a lot of the feedback they were getting from the creators and users. So I think that's just kind of a big learning lesson from for companies. And I think that's kind of a basic thing you have to do to succeed as a tech company is to really be receptive to these feedbacks. You know, Vine and Twitter failed to listen to their, their audience. And when you're competing in, in something like the video wars, mm-hmm. you, you really have to be very sensitive to what people are doing. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to follow exact trends. You see, you know, a company culture like Apple where they're, they're trying to guess what you might be interested in. I think in the video wars, we really saw most products were just chasing, like chasing each other feature for feature. We saw the copycat stuff going on with Instagram and Snapchat. And then they were just basically outspending each other and trying to see, you know, who could grow, grow faster just with like, you know, investing more resources into something. But um, with something like Vine, with it being a small team and, you know, relatively smaller like budget compared to to what Facebook might be able to invest into something like this. um, I think it just, was a lack of creativity or a lack of like flexibility to be able to just do something different. Um, and I think that's where Snapchat at one point was really succeeding was that they were doing things differently in a fun way uh, with around that time we saw that Snapchat was still selling filters and they were making you know hundreds of thousands a day with like a, a small audience just selling these, you know, not even branded or sponsored filters. They were just selling these like, things that somebody made for fun. Um, eventually they stopped selling them, which, you know, I'm not sure why, because that was that, you know, potentially such a major cash cow, but Vine could have definitely taken advantage of this. Vine could have offered these tools up for, you know, a small fee for its power users, or just let that 1% kind of just subsidize the product for the rest of the audience. Yeah. And I think companies like Vine and Instagram, was really taken off at, at during 2015 and 2016. And I think Vine could have been a little bit more open with their creativities and their ideas to maybe see how they could have been able to keep up with these really good competitors. But with that being said, you know, considering that Vine no longer exists, I wouldn't say all hope is lost. So if you guys have followed the news lately, there has been some speculation about Vine 2 being released and coming out next year. Yeah, that, that's bite, right? Yeah. yeah, so you have... Um, I already think they're on a bad track with the name. <laughs> um, I, I get it, but I don't know if it's... Vine sounds like just very different. Byte, B-Y-T-E, mm-hmm. is going to cater to a very like nerdy, awkward crowd. Or, you know, it's like, haha. It's like, it's like a dad joke in a name. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about the name, but I mean... I'm pretty sure they try to keep Vine as a name, and maybe there were some sort of legal issues between Twitter. But so Don Hoffman recently tweeted, "Our new looping video app is called Byte, launching spring 2019." So that tweet right there has caused a lot of hype behind the new um, resurrection of the app. So I, I'm really curious to see what you know, what him and the team are, are going to take away from their lessons learned from Vine especially now in a climate where we're really seeing these these type of apps these like you know 
quirky looping, like just short, concise videos take off. We're seeing everyone kind of jumping at it. You saw Musical.ly take off here in the States. That got picked up um, by a Chinese company and, and got merged into TikTok. Yeah. And then you're even seeing um, Facebook take a step at this and they're you know doing their copycat thing with Lasso. And I don't know if by the time that bite comes out, if it's going to be too little too late because I'm sure you know, the, the Vine faithful are going to take a look at Byte, but is there going to be much to see? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the looping video product is a really, it's a really interesting one. I mean, Vine really let and pioneered that whole feature and service where it created, I think, a brand behind that idea. Um, again, even till today in 2018, these Vine compilation videos are still super successful. They're gaining a lot of views. But you have companies like TikTok, uh, which, by the way, musically was acquired for $1 billion by TikTok or by the TikTok's parent company. And TikTok right now is a 15-second video looping app. And it really allows creators to create musical and dancing and comedy videos. Essentially, they kind of start off with like creating filters with music in the background where people can kind of do lip syncing type of videos and and the, and these freeform videos are like super raw then they're they're just very just crude but fun and they they seem you know personable and approachable so it's i think watching some of these videos it's just you know looking at content that's not trying too hard to get your attention even though you know there's a lot of effort that goes into this but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel just like like it's acting to you. It's just kind of just, it's just more like playing like, yeah. And you get to, as a consumer, you're, you're kind of playing <laughs> along with it. Yeah. It's um, more like a playground where they have a lot more toys out there. You can just kind of be more creative with in terms of creating the video that you find enjoyable. But I think what these companies notice is that I think everybody was shocked, completely shocked when Vine shut down or announced that they were closing. And because of there's enormous success at the peak of their years, they, people are just really shocked that this product will, or type of service is no longer going to be existing. So once Vine closed down, I think other companies try to think of ways of how can they take a similar feature and create their own company out of it. And that's where you have Musical.ly and you have TikTok and you have Facebook copying the same idea with Lasso. And I remember back in 2016, 2017, seeing advertisements for Musical.ly. When I first saw Musical.ly, I didn't think that it was really that creative. I thought it was kind of silly. Yeah, same, because it, it looks more restrictive than something like Vine, where Vine just doesn't tell you what to do. But musically, you know, put something in front of you and says, like, build content around this, yep. like, music. So it's kind of, it's like, it's telling you to lip sync. So if you were to ask me, like, would a lip syncing video service, you know, gain a huge audience? And no, because I think that, you know, confines people into this awkward box. But for some reason, you know, these things are just continuously taking off. Yeah. I mean, I remember last year, I was continuously seeing ads for Musical.ly on uh, on my Snapchat platform, and I saw ads for it on Facebook and Messenger. And I'm like, when I looked at these ads for Musical.ly, I really thought to myself, this company is going to shut down within a year. I was like, there's no way this thing's going to take off. And I just didn't really see the value that millennials or any type of users would really gain from this. But to my surprise... Musical.ly took off and was actually acquired for a billion dollars by TikTok or TikTok's parent company. And now they're all merged together by this Chinese company 
And talking to my younger sister and her generation, this app is actually huge. And a lot of their friends use it widely. And TikTok actually as a company has achieved more than 500 million global users in 150 countries. So I think Facebook saw, got an eye of this and they launched Lasso in November of 2018 just to kind of win a piece of the market uh, among the young teen audience. But personally, I don't understand TikTok, but it's, I think it's a video looping service that is trying to make a comeback through another company. And I think it's doing well so far, especially with looking at the numbers, they're, they're doing well. All right. So yeah, you know, we're, we're seeing like, you know, this consolidation with TikTok and Musical.ly. Facebook is, you know, branching out to see what they can do with Lasso so they can kind of gain relevancy in this field. But um, with Byte coming out in, in spring, you know, what are they going to be offering different and what are they going to have learned to be able to compete in this market now? Because, um, you know, Dom Hoffman and, and his crew, I'm, I'm sure they, they have, you know, the requisite skills to be able to launch this kind of product. But what are they going to do to differentiate themselves? Because, you know, we do see a little bit of a, you know, difference between Musical.ly and TikTok to Vine, where, you know, Vine was just very, very raw, freeform stuff. TikTok is, is just guiding you to create content, you know, focused around music. So I wonder, I wonder what Byte's going to be doing differently. I wonder if it's just going to be, you know, a reskin version of Vine where they give you tools to be able to do different things. But then to me, that kind of just looks like Instagram. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I think Instagram and Snapchat is a good competitor in this space, but I really hope, I really hope that uh, I don't see Byte coming in into the launch and trying to copy the same features as TikTok and Lasso, because if that's the case, I think Byte's already screwed at that point and they kind of already lost their touch. And I think that what they're trying to do is trying to regain the same magical element that they had when Vine initially took off in 2013 and 2014. But, but, but what would that look like in 2019? Like, yeah. what, what, like I, I it's, mean, it's harder. Honestly, <laughs> I honestly can't, can't see it. Um, unless, you have something that's kind of just super novel and helps creators create professional looking content. Yeah. I think for, for me, you know, trying to, to get more into the space, what I need more are these tools, you know, like we're looking at, you know, software gimbals, um, you know, like in a GoPro seven, if you can build that into an app, if you can build, you know, hardware seeming tools into software and if you can make, you know, enough, like if you can suggest to me like a story that my, you know, raw videos can fit into kind of like, you know, the tools that you see in DJI and GoPro apps, um, but build that into social and, and, you know, reduce that friction and enable me to be a better content creator. For me, that's a huge value proposition. So if Byte chooses to go after more of the, like their I'm going to call it professional, even though it's not because like, we're all amateurs here. But if, if they're going to go for more of that, like professional crowd, then that's what they're going to need to bring to the table, you know, for just to enable like super users. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. I think the future in video will be in making it easier to edit a professional video. And that goes into making short clips that transition to smooth videos. That will be the future in video, I think, if an app can successfully capture that element. But 
again, uh, who knows? Byte might go into that when they launch. But I think what really hurts Byte is that they're not able to retain the Vine name because Vine is such a huge brand. And if they were trying to revive themselves, they already lost that magical touch where they can't keep the same name. Um, and that's a little bit unfortunate. but Yeah, because there are definitely people that are super faithful to Vine. Yep. Um, so I, I'm, in, I'm in college myself right now. And, you know, when I was talking to a, to a lab mate about this, about shooting this episode, I was talking about Vine and, you know, how it wasn't really a thing that I was very familiar with. Um, I got blasted <laughs> by, by, you know, I'm going to... Yeah, Vine was huge. Yeah, I got... I got, I got you know, chewed out by some of the younger people in my class for, for not really being familiar with Vine. And they started like spitballing these names and like, <laughs> like they were very hardcore dedicated to Vine and you could just hear it in their tone that they were just very driven and passionate about what was being done on Vine. So yeah, if you, if you even launched an app called Vine 2, yeah, I mean, I think, I think at one point they actually wanted to call it V two, um, that was the name of the secret, the the self funded project at that time. But yeah, they decided on the name Byte. But yeah, I, I think what Eddie's saying is like, it it was a really really well known app among a lot of the users in the millennial generation. Um, but let's talk about where the other two co founders are yeah, and really so, what happened to them. So Colin Kroll and Russ Yusupov, uh, they they went on to found HQ Trivia, which, you know, that was another one of those apps that I don't think anybody saw coming. This thing was, you know, told you to be on the app at a certain time, play a game show with people you didn't know. And these game shows were, were like live stream videos. I, I did a couple of these shows and they, they were just pretty quirky, pretty fun. It was, you know, who wants to be a millionaire mixed in with I don't know, just like it, like it, it revived this into like the new generation and this thing's, you know, took off and, you know, it's, they seem to have slowed down their growth recently. And then um, Russ Yusupov has uh, since take, taken over HQ Trivia and they've announced HQ Words, which is, it looks like a, like a Scrabble type game that's coming for, for that audience. Um, Colin Kroll just recently passed away in the last week um, for an apparent drug overdose. Um, which is, you know, very unfortunate. It would have been very, very interesting to see, you know, where he would have taken HQ Trivia and any other apps that, you know, he could have come up with. Yeah, and lastly, you also had John Hoffman. He, before the self-funded project with Byte or Vine 2, he created Peach. And I think, Eddie, you have some experience with Peach. Yeah, um, Peach was a really interesting-looking app. Um, I, I, you know dog fooded it with some friends we just ported over our group chat into peach and peach is just like just like think of a facebook wall where it's just a, like this one wall no ads nothing else like no distractions it's just, it's just very clean you just kind of post what you're thinking it's think like i'm thinking just the wall of facebook or twitter day one it's just one thing but what it did differently was that they used these magic words as an interface where it's kind of like uh, slash commands in Slack where if you hit like a key or if you typed in a keyword and just hit send, this tool might pop up. If, so if you said something about a certain game, that game might pop up. Or if you said like draw, you know, a canvas might open up. Or if you say picture, it might let you choose your picture. So you kind of had that um, that little bit of fun where you had to discover 
what was actually able to be done on this blank canvas. I was, you know, really excited for for Peach, and I, I think it. I think it was a, an amazing product launched far too soon. I think in 2019 we're really going to see the takeoff of group messaging apps, where you you see you know Facebook Messenger really taking off with like with just group conversations because of, of what you can do inside of them. You've seen the popularity of WhatsApp for the same reason where you're just having these group chats. Um, Apple is doing an amazing thing with iMessage where they're just giving you this like flexibility to just talk to those closest to you. So I think the major trend we're going to be seeing in 2019, um, you know, outside of video is that we're going to be seeing services catering more towards the quality of interactions that you have rather than the quantity. Yeah, so Dom Hoffman did pretty well with Peach when he launched that product. But uh, let's see where he goes with Byte or Vine version 2 in 2019 when that launches. So with all this, these are where the co-founders are today post-Vine and their success at that with that product. But um, so a lot of these big creators also went off to other platforms when Vine shut down. And they went on to platforms like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and gained a big following base over there as well. So you got people like King Bach, who have 2 million followers, or 2 million subscribers on YouTube, almost 17 million followers on Instagram. You have Sean Mendes, who went off to start a huge, big, uh, a huge music career, got nominated for a lot of music awards. You got Liza Koshy, one of the largest YouTube influencers with over 16 million subscribers. She has over 17 million followers on Instagram. And then obviously Logan Paul is another person who started his career on Vine. He has 18 million subscribers on YouTube and almost 17 million followers on Instagram and 16 million plus on Facebook. So again, even though Vine is shut down, a lot of the big users went off to other platforms and took their audience over there. And um, yeah, so that pretty much concludes our episode for Vine. And we really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Stay tuned for the next one, guys. And uh, if you guys have any feedback for us, feel free to send us an email. You can reach me at eddie at productpostmortem.com. And Kevin is Kevin at productpostmortem.com. Thanks, guys, for listening. And stay tuned for the next episode. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you.